Life, life happens with Pimelo Motine. All right, so I'm going to ask you to grab your pen and paper. I'm going to ask you to start dialing in 0891-104-207 because this will be like you are getting a chance to consult personally with Professor Tim Noakes. This is going to be a chance in a lifetime where you can ask your personal questions about your uh, issues with health, your issues with your training, for instance, your issues with all kinds of things, weight and so on. Professor Tim Noakes is my guest and uh, he, you know, as you know, he's he's somebody that we've been talking about recently as somebody who's a pioneer in what is called banting and so on. Banting is not a new thing, but he's obviously uh, now brought new life to it, breathed new life to it and so on. But uh, he's with us all the way until two o'clock. This is your chance to give us a call and ask him whatever questions that you have on the health feature 891 207 Let me quickly, uh, first introduce Professor Tim Noakes to the show. Thank you very much for joining us and making the time, Prof. It's my great privilege. Thank you for having me. Prof, I, I don't think it's recent, but you once tweeted that if anybody were to look at this uh, National um, Dietary Guidelines Pyramid, one yes. day it'll be sitting at museums and it will be called a genocide. And I dare say, I mean, I'm not at school now, but I think that pyramid is still taught at schools. Absolutely. The brainwashing begins in grade one. And it's wrong. And that's a tragedy. It was never based on any science. It was based on one man's opinion, basically. And then industry got behind it and drove it. And it developed the grain industry in the United States. And it hasn't changed since. There currently is a review of the of the guidelines. And they will be restated or reformulated by by 2020. Okay. But industry is so powerful that it probably won't make much difference. My goodness. Okay, so the pyramid as it stands, at the bottom of the pyramid are grains, right? So your breads, yes. your wheats, and all of that stuff, your pastas and all of that. Uh, above that sits fruit and vegetables, I think. And above that, your fruit, no, 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 I think it's meat, vegetables. Meat and animal produce, okay. yeah. So above that, as we go higher up in the pyramid, is meats and uh, going a little bit at the top, I think, is what uh, nuts and so on. Yeah, that's correct. And so what's the ideal pyramid? What should it look like? Well, you put it on, it, you turn it upside down and you put animal produce at the bottom. And uh, you put the grains, you will, in fact, you take the grains out because then none is unessential for humans and probably toxic Completely. in many ways. They Prof- probably cause much more damage than we currently realize. Oh, my goodness. Prof, let me, then, let me, let me you ask you this again. Let, let, me, let me ask you this <laughs> so, again. Are you saying you see, completely? It, yeah, grains were only discovered 18,000 years ago. And we, we weren't eating them until then. We were eating some carbohydrates. Yes. We don't contest that. But they were never the basis Humans evolved as meat eaters, and that's what gave us our big brains on our healthy bodies. And when we, take, when we started taking them out of the diet, after the 1977 Dietary Guidelines of Pyramid, mm. that's when the obesity diabetes epidemic, it begins the next year. And no one, no one ever asked the question, what caused the obesity diabetes epidemic to happen one year after we changed our Dietary mm. Guidelines? It's like it never happened, and it's... It's astonishing how people are not held to account and say, well, okay, we changed our guidelines and we started eating all this so-called healthy fruit and vegetables. 
we massively increased our carbohydrate intake and we developed obesity and diabetes. And you know what? Carbohydrates cause diabetes and obesity. Okay. We could have predicted it. Let, 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 let me uh, then ask you about, the, you've just said, so-called fruit and vegetables. What's wrong yeah. with fruits and vegetables? Well, vegetables are not too bad. Mm-hmm. They've got some benefits, but fruit has no benefit. It's full of sugar. It's just, it's a treat that you eat once a week or once a month, depending oh on how healthy you are. <laughs> and the, the so-called five fruit and veg a day has no scientific basis whatsoever. It was also drummed up and dreamed up by the fruit and veg, veg industry in the United States in about 1992. And they suddenly came up with this five-a-day rule, which is now, by the way, expanded to ten-a-day in oh the United my. Kingdom, because five-a-day wasn't working. So they figured, well, if we take it, make it to ten-a-day, maybe we'll reverse the obesity and diabetes epidemic. But because it's purely you're just eating sugar, that's it's going to make it worse. So, so veg, yes, vegetables, a lot of vegetables, very healthy, but fruit is just an add-on. It's it's full of sugar. It's full of fructose. And it has no no benefit. There's absolutely no benefit or proof of benefit. So, I mean, we've we've understood fructose to be, you know, the lesser devil. So it's not yeah, quite the sugar right. that everybody talks about. So it's okay. And in fact, you have many, many reports that come in every single day saying if you eat blueberries or whatever, the <laughs> healthiest food on the planet, are they wrong? Yeah. Well, it's not true. You see, fructose goes directly to the liver, and it causes a condition called the fatty liver, non-alcoholic fatty liver, which is the greatest increase in disease prevalence amongst younger people is non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. And it's directly linked to sugar and fructose in the diet and, of course, carbohydrates, but mainly to fructose. And so if you want to promote that condition, sure, get people to eat lots of sugar and lots of fructose. But... If you want to be healthy, it's best not to eat those things. Okay. Let's talk about what we can eat. You've said we, we flip that pyramid and yes. we should be eating meat-based food predominantly. Well, yeah, not, not necessarily meat. It can be fish okay. and it can be chicken. I guess that you would call that meat as well. Protein. You see, the problem becomes when you say meat, then there's an anti-meat agenda at the moment. Yes. And meat supposedly causes cancer, which it does not. Okay. And it supposedly causes diabetes, which it does not. Mm-hmm. The greatest rates of diabetes are in the Indian, Indian populations in India, which are essentially mainly vegetarian people. So there's absolutely no evidence that meat causes diabetes, but it couldn't have because that was the historic food that humans evolved on. If we weren't adapted to it, we, we would have gone out of existence long ago. Okay. So, yes, so the, the foods that we, we think are healthy are meat and dairy, mm-hmm. And uh, vegetables, yes, indeed, you can certainly have your vegetables and fish and nuts. And uh, those, are the, those are the key things that we should be eating. The problem is we've, we've replaced them with maize in this country mm. and, and wheat and vegetable oils and sugar. And those are the things you've got to get out of the diet if you want to be healthy. The, 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 the key is once you get those foods out of your diet, you'll find that you're eating more of the healthy, real foods. Okay. So to repeat, you've got to get the sugar, the out. processed carbohydrates, particularly wheat, and vegetable oils. Those are the three that have to go. Okay, hold on. Vegetable oil? Are you, are you including olive oil here? No, olive oil is, 
You're quite correct. It is a it is a vegetable, but the it's really seed oils. Okay. They, what happened was again the industry was very clever. They said vegetables are good, so therefore vegetable oils are good. But in fact, the seed oils, the cotton oil, and and the those all those sunflower the, the oil, canola, and so on, they're all seeds, and they're extracted chemically, and they contain all the wrong stuff. And we don't know what chemicals they contain because the process of extraction is so complex. Okay. But olive oils are pressed, and they're not. They don't have a major chemical extraction. Got you. And they they mono unsaturated fat, so they, that's pretty good for you. Okay, so, so so your canola oil, your sunflower oils are a complete no-no. Okay. And safflower, those have to go. Okay, they must go because we're getting increasing evidence that they are they're not healthy. And cooking in them is also worse because it produces certain aldehydes when you cook with those oils mm-hmm. that are not healthy for you either. Okay, let's talk about. Uh, I'm not trying to get you into trouble. I promise you I'm not. But let's, <laughs> let's talk about when you when you wean the baby off the the breast yeah. milk. Because the breast milk, I'm assuming, is pure and it's the right thing to do. So Absolutely. If, and let me re-emphasize mm-hmm. that because people thought I said I was anti-breast. Absolutely not. No, no, no. You can so. breastfeed for three or four or five years. Not five years, but yeah. three years. Yeah. It's amazing. Just keep going on breastfeeding as long as you possibly can you'll yeah. have a much healthier baby okay so if you the ideal here would be to breastfeed your baby and so on in in the event that you cannot breastfeed prof i, I think you've already lost the battle what can you feed the baby that's right because some of these these uh these uh formulas already have got those carbohydrates that you said we should yeah. stay away from and they're full of sugar and, yeah. and it, there's it's just really bad news because See, what industry wants is they want your child to be addicted to sugar mm. from the age of six months. Mm. That's the key. Because if the kid is already addicted at six months, then they, they can sell all the processed foods they like to that child. And that's what you have to understand. Our, the, the biggest problem for our health is the sugar addiction, which is not recognized. So, so most obese people, the ones who are seriously obese, have a sugar addiction. And unless you can get rid of the sugar addiction, you, you'll never get rid of the obesity. Mm. And it starts from a very young age. And sugar is probably the most addictive drug on mm. the planet. Yeah. And, the, and it's freely available. Yeah. So you, you, you want to make sure that you wean the child onto foods that have absolutely minimum sugar content. Mm. And that's very, very difficult if you're not breastfeeding. Okay, so that's that's for me. That's where I start getting anxious because you've already introduced this baby to stuff that you shouldn't have introduced the baby to. So um, you are now here, and you let's say this is now six months in or a year in. You can then introduce the baby to what? What is 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 are eggs too early to introduce the baby at this point? Thank you very much. You see, because I was tried for telling the truth. Yes, I and know. the truth is exactly <laughs> the dietary guidelines that you're referring to now. Yeah. They say you must, that the child must eat meat, mm. fish, dairy, eggs, at least once a day or as often as possible. Mm. At least once a day. That, that says you wean onto animal produce, which is exactly what I said. Mm. So the dietary guidelines are absolutely clear. Mm-hmm. And the, all the evidence is, all the clinical trials that have been done show that if you wean the child onto animal produce, they will be healthier in the future. And even they might even have better brains and uh, be more intellectual. I'm not going to say that's the case. But they'll, be, they'll certainly be taller and they won't be as fat. And they'll be much less Stronger. likely to have a sugar addiction. So the evidence is abundantly clear.
Okay, so uh, I'm assuming at this point, would it be sort of like eggs and yogurt, that kind of stuff? Well, eggs and meat, uh, you know, I don't know why we have to worry. <laughs> we can't put meat in there and liver. <laughs> and all those things we've said, eggs, fish, meat, dairy, absolutely. And then some vegetables, avocado is a brilliant, a brilliant source of fats. <laughs> so those are the... And the key is to stay away from the cereals and grains, which is what sure. you're asked to, to wean onto. Yes. And those don't help you because you can't build a baby's brains on carbohydrates. The baby needs fat and protein to develop its brain. Is, is it too early to introduce legumes at this point? Sort of those, is that too early or you can well, sort of start you know, you immediately? Can, but you, I'll give you an example now. It's been reported this last week that the children who are exposed to more cereals mm-hmm. containing gluten mm. are more likely to get celiac disease and gluten intolerance. Mm. So, that, so that's a problem. We don't know with, if you introduce lentils. We don't know if there's an, an, a, an allergy to that. Oh, I don't know. I if you're going to use lentils, you better prepare them properly and oh. soak them and so on because oh. they, have, they have proteins that you don't want to be exposed to. Oh, so really? Historically, the... the, the Original people who, who ate these foods and started eating them 18,000 years ago prepared them very carefully. Okay. And we've kind of forgotten how to prepare these, these vegetables. So you're saying um, those black beans and, and lentils and stuff, we, we've got to be clear once we introduce it. So, so we need to debunk that as well. Yeah, um, I, I say they're a good source of protein, yeah. and that. But we don't. But you just got to be wary about what other what other proteins are introduced into to the body. And uh, there are some children who will be allergic to them and will have developed problems, and it may not be recognised that mm. it's that it's the those foods that they're eating that are causing the problem. All right. We continue our conversation with Professor Tim Noakes. He's here and he's here to take your calls as well. 0891-104-207. He is with us all the way until 2 o'clock. Call Pimelo Mutine now. On our health feature this afternoon, we've got Professor Tim Noakes, and he's here really to try and clarify a lot of things that we were taught when we were young. In fact, this uh, this table that he's talking about was part of our school curriculum, and, and I think it still is. And so we need to re-educate ourselves about what it is that really is beneficial to our bodies. And uh, if you think differently, call us. If your doctor has said he's not telling the truth, call us and tell us the basis of why your doctor said that. 891 104207 and I'm sure they're naysayers as well if you're a nutritionist and you disagree we'd love to hear from you and let's hear from you why you disagree 0891 okay so so prof you're saying it's let's be cautious when it comes to these legumes but we could safely say things like liver and eggs and uh, yogurt and so on are brilliant for the baby and we can sort of immediately start the baby off on those yeah, absolutely. Um, there's, there's, you need to do it properly, and you can't just expose them to huge amounts. Yes. But uh, you you need to do it slowly. But it's been done for 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 million, millions of years. Yeah. We we wean our babies onto those foods long before we had processed foods. Yes. How did we wean children a million years ago? Let's <laughs> you had to wean them onto the food that was available, and it was bone marrow and livers because uh-huh. they were soft and easily edible. 
and meat that the mother chewed in her mouth, and she gave it to the baby. Ah, That's how we weaned our yeah. children a million years ago. Gotcha. I'll take those calls. George, you're calling us from Middleburg. Hello, George. Thanks for calling. Hello, how are you? I'm well. How are you, George? Uh, I'm fine, man. I just want to ask the, the prof there, because I'm, 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 now it's confusing. Mm. Any, any, any evidence that uh, meat eating causes uh, stomach cancer? Prof? Yes, the George said meat causing stomach cancer. Yes. Uh, George, the key thing is that a lot of the stuff you read in the newspapers is based yes. on what we call associational studies. In other words, they look at a population for 40 years and they measure what they ate 40 years ago and then they dig through the data and they say, gosh, these people who ate a little bit more meat had a slightly higher increased rate of cancer. And then they say, well, you see, it was definitely the meat that caused the cancer. Now, those data are, are, they can develop a hypothesis to prove that meat causes cancer. You have to take 40,000 people, divide it into two groups, and feed the one group meat and the other not for 40 years, and then you decide what the outcome is. Mm -hmm. Those studies have never been done. So the, the statement that it's been proven that cancer is caused by meat is nonsensical. It is not proven. And it's completely nonsensical because of, that's the food we've been eating for millions of years. Mm. If it was causing cancer, humans wouldn't be on the planet today. Yeah. So let me just reiterate, there is no hard, good scientific evidence that meat causes any cancers. Wow. Doris, you're calling us, I think, from Mokopeli. Hi, Doris. Hello, Mo Hello, Doris. Can you hear us? Hello. Yes, I can. Thanks well, for taking my call. Welcome to the show. Two questions, quick ones. What food is actually good for us? Or are you saying we should get rid of all the food in our fridge? Prof? Secondly, yes. what do you think, doctor, of this thing of eat well or something eat for your blood group? Yes. Prof? Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Doris. Yeah. Yeah, the eat for your blood group is wrong. The, the key is that genetically we are determined. What we should eat is genetically determined. But the real risk factor, this is the most prevalent condition in Southern Africa, and yes. you never hear it mentioned, yeah. and it's called insulin resistance. Yes. It is the most prevalent condition around the world. It's currently estimated that 88% of North Americans are insulin resistant. 88%. We do not teach in the medical school that this is a problem. If you're insulin resistant, you can't metabolize carbohydrate very easily. You, it causes your body to over-secrete insulin, and the insulin then has downstream effects over 10 or 20 or 30 years. And so we argue that almost all the chronic diseases that we see, diabetes, hypertension, obesity, mm. Alzheimer's disease, dementia, and perhaps even cancer mm. are linked to this condition of insulin resistance, high insulin all the time driving these conditions. And if you're insulin resistant, there's a simple solution. You just cut your carbohydrates way down to 25 grams a day, and you can live happily ever after. What? But if you don't, mm -hmm. you will develop one of those conditions that I've, I've described. All right. So you must eat for your insulin sensitivity or insulin resistance, not for your blood type. Okay. Prof, he, she's saying, uh, is there any fruit that's good for us? I, I think you mentioned the, the, the berries. Berry. The berries yeah. are the best because they're quite nutrient dense and they don't have much sugar and much carbohydrate. So that's about the best. 
But again, I, I want to make the point that I'm an extremist because I have type 2 diabetes, which I put in, which I put in remission. Mm. So if, if you believe that diabetes is not reversible, I'm evidence that it is. And we've got the scientific evidence in the literature mm. that you can put diabetes into remission. If you are healthy and you can metabolize carbohydrates easily, then you can eat a little bit more fruit. But once you become insulin resistant or diabetic like myself, unfortunately, fruit is it's a death sentence. Wow. And you just have to understand that. Let's quickly go to Johnny in Pulukwane. Hi, Johnny. Hi. Hi. Your question, please, very quickly. Hello. How are you? Good. Good. Go ahead, Johnny. Go ahead. Yeah, man, I wanted to ask the doctor there. I'm, I'm diabetic times two, mm-hmm. Yeah, and I just want to check because, I, you know, I've, I've been following the, the sort of uh, herbal products and whatever. I want to check, man, besides the metformin, is there anything, you know, medically that, it, that can assist uh, somebody who's diabetic? I hear it's talking about food and whatever, but I just want to check in terms of, the treatment for there's only one treatment for diabetes a, di- a diet that contains less than 25 grams of carbohydrate that's critical it's 25 grams of carbohydrate or you'll never reverse your diabetes and you'll die from all the complications there's wow. nothing else Prof. not even insulin <laughs> not even insulin is going to help you you've got to get the carbohydrate content below 25 grams a day all right so the deal is prof you're going to have to come back I, unfortunately Please. there are so many people who need to speak to you you're going to have to come back really appreciate the time that you've given us professor tim noakes and that conversation will be available as a podcast i promise i promise he'll be back to answer more of your questions and uh, we'll take this further uh, very very shortly it's two o'clock now let's go to Utsila saku for the latest in news